Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Relentless Project, where we explore life beyond surviving child sexual abuse. Today, we'll be talking about knowing what pace to take. And I know I sound like a broken record, but I have to say it. I'm not a trained therapist or counselor. If you're able to, finding therapy or counseling can be a very valuable component to healing from sexual assault or sexual abuse. And just a friendly reminder that this is your journey. Take this at your own pace. And what do I mean by that? We're going to go ahead and get into that in just a second. But last episode, we talked about acknowledging and respecting where you are in this journey now. If you're new here, I highly recommend listening to the introduction episode where we go through a crash course of the entire Survivor's Toolbox. But for this episode, we're just going to focus on what it means to take it at your own pace, to take your healing journey at your own pace. And there are a total of eight tools, but don't expect to master all of them at once. We're just meant to explore each one, one at a time, in a way that is in harmony with where you are in life. And being familiar with all of them just gives you and me something to progress to. So knowing what pace to take. Some of the considerations I think that are important to take before you decide whether or not you can take more or whether or not you need to slow down is one, the resources that you have or you don't have, two, time, money, and space. And when I mean space, I mean physical or mental space and having a support system that you um, and having a support system um, in general, whether whether or not you have one or whether or not you need to establish one. And when I mean a support system, I'm talking about close friends or a close family member, a therapist, a counselor, which I highly, highly recommend which is why I include money as a resource earlier, um, or a support group, whether that's in person or online. And some important pointers I want to include is that there is no standard pace for anyone. There really isn't. Everyone is different. Everyone has a different circumstance. Everyone comes from a different part, different walk of life. And when I say that you should take the right pace for you, I mean, consider what you have on your plate, consider what your priorities are right now, and figure out what is the most important to you, okay? Healing through sexual abuse is a very, very important thing for a survivor who wants to live beyond just surviving. When you do that, there is so much more that you can do in life, but sometimes focusing on the healing part needs to slow down or needs to be broken up into smaller pieces if there are a lot of more pressing issues. And a good example or a short example that I want to include is um, just very recently, I was going through a life transition. I was leaving the job that that I had, a steady job to go back into school. I wanted to do something that Uh, aligned more with who I am. And um, it 
it's a huge transition to go from a state of uh, a solid income into a place where I don't have one. And there was a lot going on. My family was going through a lot of different things during the pandemic. I was juggling, I was juggling domestic abuse in my own family from a distance. And it brought up a lot of dark things within myself. And it it was very difficult because I was also, on top of all of that, moving across the country from Texas all the way to the East Coast. So it was a very hectic time. And uh, thank goodness I had a therapist, but I realized I couldn't be, I couldn't go through my own path. I could not continue and progress in my own healing in the same pace that I was when when all of my best basic necessities were consistent, when when nothing really was uh, w- was chaotic. And so that's kind of what I mean is that sometimes you have to gear up and sometimes you have to gear down. And it really doesn't mean that you are not capable of healing. That's not at all. It's just sometimes you're in a different part of life and that's just how it needs to be. Um, so how how to know when it's a good idea to slow down? And here's my my short list. This is going to be a, a pretty a pretty short episode, but how do I know when to slow down? When intrusive thoughts are disrupting your ability to work or study or to care for yourself or your children, or when you feel like you're suffering in your past without any reprieve, if you're going through a large transition, maybe you're going through a divorce, maybe you are going to get married, maybe you're going to move across the country, maybe you're switching jobs, or maybe you're going through a life crisis, or you're still trying to figure out how much remembering you can take all at once. Maybe maybe this healing journey is new for you and you're trying to figure out what you can take. It, that's definitely um, a good reason to slow down or take things in small chunks. In college, when I turned 20, it was a very difficult time for me because um, I'm a survivor of incestuous abuse, and that was the age that my perpetrator was when he abused me. And I share that piece of information because when I had turned that age and I looked at children who were my age when I was abused... Um, I was very angry. I was very livid. Uh, I was distraught. I was disgusted because I had fully realized how young I was at the time when I was um, taken advantage of. And my parents were in their best intention trying to make sure that I had everything that I needed, um, but they were by no means emotionally, mentally um, supportive during that time. And one of the most painful things that I had to hear from my family members, from uh, people that they knew because they told other people without asking me about it, um, was hey, you should be thankful that you're here and that you're alive and that you have 
all of these things ahead of you. And um, I was not, it was not the right, it was not the right time for me to hear that. Um, uh, one of my family friends uh, gifted me um, a Catholic book about forgiveness. And I was upset. I was very upset. I was upset because I felt like I wasn't being heard. I didn't feel validated. I would receive this constant pressure of having to heal faster or to quote unquote get over my issues because my perpetrator is my mom's son. And um, it was it was a very difficult time. Um, it brought up a lot of domestic violence in the home, um, and it it just made everything much more complicated. And so, if you're in a position where someone is maybe in their good intention trying to encourage you to move on or move forward, sometimes. Sometimes that feeling of anger, that feeling of sadness is something that you need to experience and something that you need to have validated in a very safe place. And if it weren't for my good friend Jeanette for taking me to therapy during that time, I, I would have probably ended my own life. And I share that because for a lot of people who are looking from the outside in, they don't understand that it is incredibly important to feel validated, to experience their emotions. It's important for survivors to notice and understand their emotions and to have the space and the validation to express it, to feel it. Um, a lot of people who are looking from the outside in, um, get impatient with survivors. And if they haven't been through a similar circumstance, if they haven't been raped or abused or assaulted or had that type of sexual trauma, they will say things that sound absolutely ridiculous to survivors like, why didn't they tell someone? Or why can't they just go over it? It happened a long time ago. They don't understand the gravity. They don't understand the gravity, the pain, the mental turmoil that it takes to go through something like sexual trauma and then have to live life like it's normal afterwards. It, it takes a lot of digging in within ourselves for the for the survivor, for the victim. And then it takes a lot of understanding and respecting our feelings and emotions and respecting the process. And so for that moment when my when our family friend had given me that book of forgiveness, I see it now as a person trying to help her good friend who was my mother and i i felt extreme I, I felt incredibly betrayed at the time because no one would validate my feelings no one would treat me and my experience as something that was important as something that was worth looking into my parents had a hard time helping me with funding for therapy 
it was very, it felt like I was screaming into a pillow most of the time. Um, I would try to advocate for myself and the importance of my requests or uh, the issues that I, would, I was dealing with was um, seen as intrusive or as obstacles for their own purpose. And there are many layers to the situation that I brought up, but the point that I'm trying to bring is that every single part of your journey must be taken with a serious amount of care, respect, and acknowledgement that it, it, ne- it needs to happen. And there will be certain times in your journey, in your path, where you absolutely need to feel that grief. You need to feel sad. You need to feel angry. And you need to experience it in every single way possible. But it's important to know and understand as well that while feeling those feelings are very important, it's also very important to know when to take a step back. If an emotion is getting in the way of you being able to take care of yourself for the rest of the day or getting in the way of the things that you need to do to survive, even more so if an emotion is bringing up the urge to harm yourself or others. An example of this is when you approach a subject or a topic of your healing that causes you to cry or that causes you to blank out, to stare out, or to have those survivor responses of fight, flight, or freeze. If it triggers any of those things, it means that it's time to take a step back and it's time to regather yourself, to self-regulate, and to find something else to do, to get your mind off of it, um, to respect that feeling for what it is and for what it's telling you, but to to do something that is self-nourishing. Um, because what, what that does is that it teaches your body, when it teaches your body, it teaches your mind when you approach something like that, when you approach a sensitive topic in your healing, it teaches you that you're still safe. It teaches you that you don't have to have that automatic response anymore. And so what you're doing by taking a step back is reprogramming your mind, reprogramming um, your body so that when you come in contact with something that triggers you, but that isn't causing any harm, then you'll be able to pull away from that automatic response that your body is having when you approach a certain topic or a certain subject that triggers you. And on the flip side, how do you know when you can do more? Well, you can definitely do more if you have the time and safe space to do your inner work. If you have an established support system. And yes, having a good close friend and having close um, family members is, is a very good and great thing. Um, but something that's even better than that is a support group because you'd be talking to people who um, who can relate with you and, it, and it's such a powerful thing, whether that's in person or online. And what's even better than that is if you can find a therapist or counselor that jives with you. And I, I think I brought this up in a previous episode um, with my good friend, Jeanette. It's it's kind of hard finding a therapist or counselor. Um, y- y- something that 
is um, that is not said often is that you don't have to reach rock bottom to find a therapist or counselor. You can find one if you're planning to go through this journey and you recognize that it's going to be kind of hectic for you. Um, that's kind of what I did when I started the Relentless Project. I wanted to have a therapist um, or counselor before I started because I realized I'd be digging digging up a lot of things in my own life um, while I was making content for my podcast. And maybe that's something that you need to do for yourself. So it, it takes some dating around, you know, finding the right chemistry. Um, this is not a sponsored episode, but I personally use BetterHelp. But that's an example of online counseling that I absolutely loved. It was flexible with my hectic work schedule. I was, um, I was working in the in the medical field as a military nurse, uh, not necessarily performing patient care, um, but. It, it worked really well with that. And I could have sessions in my own private room. And it was great because I was comfortable and I didn't have to drive somewhere. And I was in my own element. Um, I really do think that online therapy is probably, it's probably going to stay for a while, even after the pandemic. But um, yeah, just Yes, having having close friends and family is a great thing, but what I mean when I say that having a therapist or counselor is even better or even having a support group is because um, many times uh, when we confide in people who don't really um, understand or um, who um, who hasn't really been through the experience that we have, it's a little tough for for us because they don't understand, but it's also a little tough for them because um, they might not have the capacity for um, for uh, for absorbing all of the different things that we've been through. Um, something that we probably don't recognize is that yes, it's it's a very stressful and uh, difficult thing for us to do to cope with the fact that we have been through abuse. But when we share that with someone else. Um, the other person also needs needs to take some time for for themselves because it's um it's it's a difficult thing having to go through um having to go through that experience with someone in parallel even though it's not even though it's not an experience that they themselves are having and that's something that I had to learn um with Jonathan with um with my fiance that was something really tough that I had to learn and another sign that is indicative of uh, you being able to take on more in your path is if you know your personal warning signs of when it's time to do something else. And what I mean by that is um, if you know what your triggers are, if you know, if you know when, for example, how you react during a panic attack. Um, for example, when I have a panic attack, um, I start to feel trapped and I start to feel like I have tunnel vision and my my breathing gets very fast and shallow. That's how I know I need to step back and do something else and self-regulate and do grounding techniques. If you know those things about yourself, if you know your trigger warnings, um, that's a good sign that you are... Uh, that you are very familiar with yourself, with your body, and that you can probably take on 
more of uh, self-discovery and progress through your, your healing journey a little bit more, a little bit further. And lastly, how do, how do you know if you can take on more? You have healthy ways of decompression. Um, it's one thing to know what your triggers are, what your warning signs are, but it's very important to know the things that help you to decompress, the things that help you to relax. Maybe if you want to get to the point where you want to progress a little bit more in your healing journey, there are other things that you have to take care of first. And so maybe that's trying to figure out what your triggers uh, triggers are, trying to figure out what your personal warning signs are, and trying to figure out um, what are effective uh, ways of decompression for you. Or maybe it's trying to establish a support group or support system for you. Okay. And I know that was a very, very quick episode, um, but I thought that it was important to really take a dive in because um, people, people such as myself will usually say, you know, take this at your own pace, do, do what's right for you. And I think it's important to uh, provide the how. Sometimes it's a little bit too vague to just give that instruction. So again, thank you so much for giving this a lesson. I commend you for the amount of courage that it takes you to get through your journey and to make it through this point. Remember, you are never alone. No matter how lonely you feel, you are never alone in this journey. And if you're in the most painful stages of your healing, there is hope. There is hope for a better tomorrow, a better life. And my hope is that this work serves you well and that you can share this and, and that you can share your story too. And so if you would like to share your story or um, would like to ask about certain things, um, feel free to leave a message through the Instagram at Relentless Joanna or even send me a private message through there. Through there. Okay? And again, detailed timestamps can be found at www.relentlesspodcast.com. Take care. <laughs>